Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode on the podcast. Today we are going to be getting into a little bit of an overview of the upcoming YouTube video on the MLW channel. Uh, Jack and I are going to go back and forth and debate a few different pressing topics in the world, uh, as well as a cue of the day, as always. And this is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. All right, Jack. How we doing this week? How you feeling? We're uh, we're thriving. We're surviving. Um, I I think I got a little bit of a cold coming on, some sniffles, which isn't which isn't great. But um, you know, I'm doing what my mom always tells me to do: dosing up on the vitamin C, oh, the vitamin yeah. D. Uh, you know, I'm not really worried about it. I'm gonna attack this thing head on, and there's no excuses. the uh, The machine keeps going. The world keeps turning. Um, so I can't be left behind. How about you, Tom? How you doing? Oh, uh, overall, I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm fairly healthy. I would say that I'm a little a little phlegmy, but I feel like I've been phlegmy for like weeks on months. I don't. Maybe that's a side effect of getting the old you know what, um, yep. long term type thing. But I don't know. I I do seem to have phlegm from time to time, where I like cough, and I'm like, whoa, that's kind of odd. But you were saying about the old vitamin C reload. I swear, Jack, I could like choke on a piece of food and like cough. Under my breath for like two seconds, my mom be like, "Take a vitamin, take a vitamin right now." She's all, <laughs> she's all over that. I feel like every mom is that way, though. You gotta have the moms yes. keeping you in line, keeping you in check, keeping you healthy. But um, absolutely. No, I feel like um, me and you haven't seen each other in quite some time now. It's been a long time since the holidays, so I, I gotta check in on you, make sure you're good and healthy. How's the uh, yeah. how, how's the how's the body feeling for lacrosse season here? Um, you know, actually I've been preserving my, my body pretty well, I would say throughout the year. Just so happened today though, um, took a mean cleat to the top of the foot, got Ooh. stepped on pretty bad. Um, yeah, it's pretty sore. I was kind of limping around after today, but, um, again, no excuses. The train keeps rolling. Um, and I got to pick my feet up and keep moving. So, uh, you know, other than that, I've actually been doing a pretty good job of preserving my, my bodily health. That's good. I have a uh, genuine question about your uh, about your career as an athlete. So, um, I think what, what are you twenty three now, Jack? Yep, twenty three. Jordan year. It's Jordan year. So, do you think, as honest as you can be, like, do you feel like you're in like the best shape of your life and like the most athletic you've ever been? Like, you're just improving constantly from the nonstop practice and working out, or do you feel like there's been summers or springs when you felt better as an athlete than you do right now? Um. Being very honest and candidly, I think it's different for everyone, mm-hmm. obviously, but I would say at this point in my fifth year of collegiate athletics, mm-hmm. for myself personally, I would not say that uh, I'm in the best shape of my, I, I'm, in, I'm in good shape, but just the, the you know, the aches, like the everyday aches and, and things that go on, um, you know, it's just a lot to put your body through mm-hmm. and and especially when you're, you know, going through school and stuff too, you don't have much time, as much time to like dedicate towards taking care of your body. Yeah, so it takes a recovery. Toll. I would. Yeah. So I honestly, you know, like I said, it's a little bit, it's, it's different for everyone. Some people might not even hit their peak till their senior year and they, you know, they become an animal animal. For me, I think it's a little bit different. Like I'm, I'm not saying that I've fallen off a bunch physically, uh, but I, I wouldn't say that I was, you know, I'm in. I'm, I'm, my strength is pretty much the same, 
But in terms of the actual, like just day-to-day pain and things like that, like I would say it was definitely better earlier in my college career. If that would, if that answered you. No, I mean, I think that makes sense. I don't know. Like, like you said, I think it's different for everybody. Um, I know for me, like, obviously, yeah. When you cross over from being like a, like before even like your teenage and pubescent years, like you're more like, you don't really get sore. Like you can just go nonstop always. And then once you kind of cross that line, then yeah, your body gets sore as you're building muscle and as you're growing and changing. Um, but yep. on another note too, though, non-related to like, I guess your physical health, how about skill wise, like lacrosse specific, do you feel like you're the most skilled now that you've ever been? Or do you think there's been times where you're just like on fire, like confidence and, and skill wise? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of a tricky question because for my position, actually in lacrosse, I, for those of you who don't know, I'm a face-off guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, last year they actually changed some pretty significant rules at the face-off X. Oh, okay. and it, it used to be, so, you know, just to keep it very simple in terms of how you could hold your stick on the face-off and also, um, they changed the rules. So you're not allowed to be on one knee in your stance. So as a, as a six foot individual, um, I now have to basically be in sort of like a crouching stance, uh, with my, with my hands kind of like sumo grip, if you guys know what that is in weightlifting, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to like both my hands, uh, moto grip as they call it almost like I'm riding a motorcycle. Yeah. So, uh, you know, candidly, I like the old rules better. I was more, uh, it was more advantageous for my body type just because I'm like a bigger, stronger guy, mm-hmm. um, like not as quick hands, but I had better technique through that. So in terms of like my skill at the face off X, I don't think it is as high as it was with the old rules. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say my my stick skills, like all other things, lacrosse included, yeah. you know, all the other stuff that matters in lacrosse, I would definitely say um, I'm at my the top of my game, like, cause it's just the more reps you get, the better you're going to be. Yep. Um, and so just five years of division one practice and passing and shooting and stuff. I, I would say I'm definitely as you know, the best that I've been on uh, my career in, in those areas. That's kind of what I thought you would say. Um, in terms of wiffle ball and baseball, I guess it's a little different for me. Um, baseball wise, you know, I played till I was 18 through my senior year of high school and I'd say skill. So I played till um, till July of that summer, 2017. It's five years ago now. We're getting old, Jack. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, in terms in, in terms of like skill, and I like I said that to you. I think skill and confidence go hand in hand. Sometimes I think mm-hmm. baseball skill wise, I peaked probably in mid May of that year, just because I was super confident and. I mean, like I said, that goes hand in hand with skill. Not saying my mm-hmm. skill got worse throughout the summer, but I might have said this in this podcast before, but in terms of how confidence can lead to good play, but I'll say it again here. Um, I had not, two months into the high school season, I had not made a single error at third base yet. That was when I was saying I was like, I was peaking. And then yeah. I made one error with like two weeks to go in the season. And then those final two weeks, I made like two more errors. Like I ended this year with like three errors or whatever it was. So, that's why I say I peaked in May instead of saying I peaked in August. I feel like I lost that one error, even though that first error was a purely just physical mistake. Then it turns into the mental game. You get in your head sometimes, and you're not as, as good as you were before. So that's where I'd say I peaked. Yeah. Now, wiffle ball, you would think, well, because you've been playing that for X amount of more years than baseball now, 
um, that I'd be peaking now. But because in terms of keeping the body in shape, baseball was so critical to the wiffle ball portion of my of my skill set. I feel like I wouldn't say right now I'm at the peak of my wiffle ball career either. Um, I'd say that yeah. also kind of peaked in the 2017-2018 range. I do feel like, though, I'm a much more experienced hitter in wiffle ball. Like I'm really good at pitch recognition now, um, contact, fighting in at-bats. I've definitely gotten better over the years just from the repetitions in that aspect. But 100% mm. the, pitching, the pitching aspect of wiffle ball, I would def- definitely say that I've declined in the past couple years, as you guys can clearly tell. But I'm working on... Uh, <laughs> I'm working on making a change this summer on that. I actually was outside. Super nice day, I think, across America for the most part. On, uh, over the weekend, Saturday. Beautiful day. So I was like, well, I'm 23 years old. I want to start getting my arm in shape. What the heck am I going to do? Go throw at a brick wall? Like Nobody my age is playing baseball anymore. <laughs> so I, uh, I texted my good old buddy, Brendan Zerlag, who is a high school senior, getting ready for the season. I was like, yo, you want to go throw today? He's like, yeah, sure. So I met him at the high school. And we, we threw a little bit. And uh, it's... Uh, Let's just say it's frightening. When you do something you haven't done in a long time, it's it's frightening. You're but pretty sore. I actually wasn't that sore, surprisingly. But That's good. it was just like it doesn't feel the same as it used to, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I think in terms of wiffle ball, obviously I can't even speak on the pitching aspect, but mm-hmm. um and 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 fielding is fielding. You kind of just gotta be an athlete and be a smart athlete at that. But in terms of batting, I actually had I don't even I think it was twenty 18 maybe or 2017 i was like pretty high in batting average like i want to say i was i want to say i was like at least top four or five at the end of the year now that was a that was inflated now i will say that was inflated because i remember the seahawks were still in the league and i was and, and i got you know that was a series where i definitely made up for my average um but i will say in terms of in terms of being an experienced hitter, I definitely feel more experienced now. What you pointed, what you pointed out, you know, the pitch recognition, um, when to swing, when not to swing. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I'm making better decisions at the plate that might not be actually reflected um, on my statistics as it might have been in previous years. But I feel pretty comfortable uh, at the plate in terms of like you know improving each year, becoming a smarter hitter, and. Um, you know, I hit the one year my average is good. I hit a lot of home runs, but it was also because I was just like swinging as hard as I could at everything. Mm-hmm. Like I probably also led the league in strikeouts too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which I've been trying to work on. I'm trying, I've been trying to strike out a lot less, get on, get on base more, which I think I did good of, or that, which I think I did good um, last season. So, you know, that, yeah, looking to improve on that as well in the, in the coming year. But I agree. I think batting, the more, the more pitches you see, the more years you're involved, I think you can really only get better unless you go through some kind of injury or psychological thing where you got to change up your stance and things like mm-hmm. that. To be honest with you, Jack, I feel like um, just based on my observations of our wiffle ball league over the years, I feel like you're on the brink of like a breakout season as a hitter just because, number one, you're already pretty solid, but you're a guy that comes in and you still are, you know, very raw, like no real baseball experience, but clearly super athletic, um, still playing division one sports to this day. Um, it's a great hand eye coordination, just a good, you have a good game sense, you know, you ha- you know where you need to be and when type of thing. And just of all your experience now of actually playing with a ball and hitting, we've seen guys like Alec and Brennan Russell who have been in the league just a couple of years more than you that I've really like picked it up the last couple of years in terms of their hitting abilities. I feel like you're right there as like a guy who's going to step into that category as like a fan favorite in terms of real raw 
been in the league for a long time and then could uh, you know develop into more of a star just based on the, the pure repetition and dedication. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I I would like to think so. I think what what might be just holding me down from that breakout season is just the the talent on the mound now. You know what I mean? Yeah, the years that true. I started, there was great talent, of course, but a lot of the times it was just sort of one pitcher on mm-hmm. each team. And now with how deep our league is, you know, you got a battle ahead of you, whether it's game one, game two, or game three, which, you know, being able to see better you know, see better pitchers probably is going to make you a better hitter as long as you, you know, are making contact with it. But um, it's it's scary. The pitching is getting pretty good. It's it's getting extremely good um, compared to when I started in 2016. I mean, you look at just the exponential growth in talent hitting, but especially on the mound, um, it's kind of insane. So I'd like to think that I'm on the, the cusp of a breakout season. I've been waiting for one of those. I've been waiting for a you know, 10 home run season. I'd love to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I just want to get enough hits at the right time to give the magic an opportunity to win a world series. That's really my main goal in MLW. The stats, they are what they are. Um, but bringing home a title for the magic would be goal number one. No, I think, but I think your style kind of fits into that, that, um, that category of people who, like you're saying how the pitching is so good. I mean, yeah, we've seen, that batting average, keeping that high, is is tough. There are certain guys that do it. Um, this is just my opinion, but to me, when it comes to batting average in this league, there is and like just pure contact hitters of guys putting it in play. There is Kyle Schultz. There's Jimmy Norp, and there's everybody else. I feel like those two yeah. are just so comfortable at just getting the bat on the ball consistently. And you're saying, oh, mm-hmm. Tommy, but Sailor's such a good hitter. Well, I think he only hit like 333 last year, which was like 70 points or 60 points behind Jimmy. And then Kyle was like another 80 points ahead of Jimmy. And then no one else mm-hmm. is even close. So it's just like if if you want to be a guy that um, maybe doesn't have the most consistent, you know, making contact, you got to have the power like Sailor does. Now, yeah. Sailor's still like a top 10 hitter in batting average easily. But power is so important because it's wiffle ball, because the fences are, you know, they're reachable if you get the bat on the ball and, you know, get it up in the air. It's just, it's so huge. You can turn a game around so fast in a three-inning game. So I think, like you said, if even if you hit maybe, you know, mid-200s, if you can string together nine, ten home runs, that's a, that's a great season. You know what I mean? And that's the thing, too, because it's kind of like a double-edged sword, right? You could have, you could have an average, uh, you know, let's, let's take Sailor's average. You could have a 3-3 three, three, three and hit however many home runs he hit this year. I know it was a lot, mm-hmm. um, but you know, if it was like a little bit more windy and you had a little bit less power on a couple of those series, and those are your statistics, your average drops. A lot of those balls that you hit in the air stay in the park and mm-hmm. they get caught, right? You don't have as many home runs. You're still making the same amount of contact on the ball, but your average might be like a hundred points less. Mm-hmm. And on the, you know, on the stat board, it looks like, Hey, this guy's having like a mediocre season. Well, you know, he's, he's, putting the bat to the ball, making contact, and it's just not going his way. Yeah. So that's that's another reason why consistent power is uh, definitely a game changer yeah, in MLW. Sailor, I'll be honest, you guys don't see the full games, but Sailor does, trust me, he swings and misses yeah. a lot. There's a lot of times when yeah. he'll hit a home run with two strikes, and the first two swings were just swinging and miss, swinging and miss. It'll go like that for all game. But then in the third inning, you know, three-run home run to bust the game open or whatever it is. But he takes his yep. hacks, which I, th- I think is important. I started to kind of yeah. follow that and mirror that um, in the competitive tournaments at the end of 2021, and it was working for me in terms of producing power and producing runs. 
So I think yeah. Saylor's a guy who a lot of people could study and learn from in terms of, you know, get your hacks in. You might strike out more. Your OBP might go down, but you might, you know, in terms of your war, which is a stat, wins above replacement, I think it can make you a more valuable asset to a lineup if you can get balls out of the park more often, even if you don't and get on bases often. Yeah, and not only that, but just the point of him taking his hacks, there's there's times in the video where you see him strike out, but that was on like the eighth pitch of the at bat, and mm-hmm. he had already fouled off three of them, right, mm-hmm. to get to that position. Like he's he's taking those hacks and hitting them consistently. And and kind of on that point, I think one thing that I've learned as as a as being in this league for you know a few years now is um I'll make the analogy towards like basketball. Like you watch great shooters in basketball you know steph curry kobe bryant michael jordan Mm -hmm. these guys these guys have taken the reps and they know their spots on the court right so Mm -hmm. they're when they're attacking the the basket or you know trying to get a shot off even if they're like a little bit covered but they get to that spot where they're comfortable Mm -hmm. they're going to hit that shot more more times than not and i i think that applies to wiffle ball in the sense that like depending on the way that you swing you could, you could, you know, you could make a, a living or, or get some extra hits or home runs off, off pitches that shouldn't even really be swung at, mm-hmm. or, you know, might've been balls, but like you're comfortable hitting that. So I think, you know, a lot of times people see these pitches and it's like, Oh, why are you swinging at that? Yeah. And it's like, Hey, first of all, I'd like to see you step in the box and see what that <laughs> pitch looks like. And second of all, I can hit that ball. And if I hit it, you know, it could be a home run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fair. You know, I think I think I think that analogy is sort of is sort of applicable to wiffle ball and why you see Sailor, you know, take so many hacks like that because he 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 feels confident in his swing, right? If he can hit it, he can hit it. Yeah, I think Sailor does a great job, and I think he, like I said, he knows his strengths and he plays to his strengths because exactly. there's nobody, in my opinion, right now in this league on the same level as Kyle and Jimmy in terms of putting it in play. So I would uh, agree, hundred hundred and ten percent. I think Sailor is a great guy to study for the rest of the guys and even people that are going to be drafted in this upcoming draft class. Um, I wanted to talk about prior to the draft. Um, we do have an exciting upload to the YouTube channel, as I mentioned, um, coming up here that we just recently announced on our on the MLW Instagram, and it is the thirty for thirty, two days in September. That is the title we're going with this year which is going to be a story of the downtown Diamondbacks World Series performance. So a little different than what we've seen in the past. Um, we've seen, I think this is our, let's see, we had 17, 18, 19, 20. This would be our, like our sixth documentary. That's crazy to me. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, sorry, fifth, fifth, because 2021 hasn't happened mm-hmm. yet. Um, but most other docs have mostly just kind of followed the championship team throughout the entirety of the season. That was kind of the case for the Mallards the case for the Wildcats, and the case for the Gators. Now, the Predators had a little bit of a special documentary because it really followed their entire history as a franchise from year one to year seven. And now this one is going to be, instead of zooming out like we were the Preds, this one's going to be very zoomed in and focused specifically on the World Series, hence the title, Two Days in September. So, Jack, what are your first thoughts when you saw that that headline, that, uh, that movie poster, if you will? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm all for it. I love it. I love the the change where not every documentary is the same, right? Each team is different. Each season is different. So you want the documentary to kind of reflect that, right? And um, I mean, call it like it is, the Diamondbacks were dominant all year long. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, do, is it 
is it really necessary to run back all those highlights and just show them <laughs> dominating? Right. I mean, let's, I like it. Like let's zoom in on the most intense uh, series, arguably in MLW history. Mm-hmm. And let's make a cool documentary about it. I think I, I really like the idea and I think it's going to turn out awesome. I like it too, because um, in terms of doing stuff like the Preds documentary, which is over the course of years, or even just doing stuff over the course of a season, you have to kind of pick and choose what moments you want to highlight, what questions you want to ask and include responses to, to, to kind of fit in that 40-minute video, 50-minute video-ish, just to keep the to keep the audience, you know, really engaged for the entirety of the documentary. Um, where in this case, because that series was just so good, yeah, if you take a, if you take a look at the entire season of the D-backs, you're going to miss out on just how intense that World Series was. So this allows yeah. us to take an entire, you know, 45-minute documentary and just look at five games and just go into details of every single moment, every move that was made, every pitching change, every big at bat, um, just like conversations between players and between teams, um, in between games, all that kind of stuff. So I was present for the interviews and um, there's some really cool, really cool uh, things discussed in this documentary. I'm stoked. I really, uh, I like, it's just so cool to see all different kinds of documentaries, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, there's no way you can make a documentary about the Preds after winning that, the World Series that they did and not tell, you know, not zoom out from the broad perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what made that season. That's what made, you know, that World Series for the Predators. Like it was about much more than just that season. That was a franchise statement. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like I, I, I like seeing the, the different type of documentaries. And I think this is just a really cool idea. Um, for the Diamondbacks. I think the Diamondbacks will, you know, I don't think they'll be bummed out that they're not seeing all their home runs that they had all year. I think it'll, I think they'll like the product too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know these documentaries really challenge Kyle as a, as an editor and as a producer and as a content creator, you know, um, he's actually editing that right now. That's why he's not here. Um, but I think, um, I think it's really cool because he was telling me like, you know, it's, it's different because he has to be so creative. Whereas a video, you know, it's kind of just like a regular season MLW video is just like getting all the clips lined up, putting in the replays. And it's kind of like more of a routine, you know what I mean? But this Mm -hmm. is really his chance to, you know, tell a story and tell it the way he wants. And, um, you know, he writes the entire script. He writes the questions to get, you know, to try to provoke the answers that he wants to hear and the moments he wants to hear about. So it's definitely a, it's a real, that's a real challenge. I mean, it's one thing to, make a video about a game and, you know, kind of just produce it like you see at, as on TV and then kind of base your ideas off of that. But this is really, you know, putting together a, you know, a documentary, like a movie, like something you'd see on Netflix, you know what I mean? So it's a real challenge. And I've been helping him. We've been focusing heavily, him and I, these last about month or so on just the content strategy for the 2022 season. But and I have been helping him too for this documentary. But this is, a lot of this is Kyle. This is Kyle's work. And um, I'm just really excited to see the final product. I haven't been helping him with this as much. We've bounced a couple ideas off of each other, but maybe only, you know, an hour's worth of discussions. So this is yeah. really his baby. And uh, I'm just, once again, I'm so excited for it to come together and for you guys all to watch it and appreciate it because I think these are really well received from the fans. Um, we mm-hmm. always upload them in the off season and they never perform that well views wise in the first, you know, couple weeks. But each documentary is into six figures, Jack. All, all, all yeah. five of them or whatever it is. And um, I still think just because of the emotional attachment I have to it and my relationship with Alec over the years, I think that Predator's documentary is my favorite video we've ever made to date, Kyle's ever made to date. 
I agree. Honestly, that's, that's definitely my favorite documentary. Um, you'd think I might be a little bit salty from, you know, <laughs> me leaving and then winning the year after, but in all honesty, like, I'm not just saying this, my happiness for them and their organization and Alex specifically, because, you know, he was really the one who brought me into the league mm-hmm. that, that grossly outweighed whatever sort of, you know, saltiness I might've had from missing out on a chance to win the world series. And it was, it, I, I love that video. It was so cool just to see from, you know, the very beginning to, to them reaching their goal. Finally, the entire franchise, mm-hmm. everything they went through. I, it was awesome. So I agree with you. I think that was my favorite one. Yeah, it was just so good. And, um, but once again, that was in 2019. So I was mm-hmm. like even less involved with the strategizing of that video and um, just, yeah, seeing the end product, I was just like, I mean, it really does like invoke emotion in you. Like I wasn't crying. Yeah. I think Alex says he cries when he watches it, but like <laughs> it's, it's so well scripted and Alex just has some iconic quotes in there. And yeah, just like seeing the clips of Alec when he was first playing with football, like it just reminded me of him, like when we would hang out when we were younger and we would like, I remember, yeah. I remember the first day I took him over to Kyle's house and we played in the front yard and you know, Alex, such a passionate kid, loves to have fun. Oh just, yeah. It was just cool yeah. to go down memory lane there and then. You know, the reason I favor that one over the Gators one, per se, is the Gators one is actually better, like, produced. The production value is higher because it's a year later, and just Kyle's mm-hmm. been improving as an editor, and we invested more money into that documentary. But just the story of the Preds is something that I think you and I both hold near and dear to our heart. And that's nothing against, I love all the guys on the Gators, yeah. and I really formed good relationships with all of them over the last two years, but I haven't known them for, you know, a decade like I have the guys on the Preds. But totally. if you guys are listening to this podcast and somehow have not seen these docs, you have to watch them. They are so yes. good. They are so good. Um, and yes. I, think, I think each and every one, especially these last two, you know, could be watched by anybody, not just MLW fans. Like, there was th- that documentary of the Preds, like, there was real buzz around, like, locally in Brighton, Michigan about that. I remember going out, um, like, to downtown Brighton, and people we went to high school with were telling me about, like, how awesome that was. And I was like, yeah, kind of did a crazy <laughs> good job. And, like, I was, yeah, everyone loved that. And I'm hoping that this, this new documentary does, does the same thing for um, Jimmy and his lifelong friends and family, as well as Shima and Heath, you know, you know and all yes. the MLW community. So I think it's just a really cool uh, artifact. And it's a lot of work. You know, Kyle probably put about a month of work into this. And um, I told him this would be like a breeze because he's used to having to edit these documentaries while he's still taking classes at Michigan. But now that he's right. graduated, I'm like, dude, this one will be easy for you. You'd be solely focused on this. This should be a walk in the park. But um, we'll see. Because it is, it sounds easy. But like I said, me and him have been really, really strategizing heavily on the 2022 season. So it's not his, mm-hmm. own, it's not his only priority right now, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes sense for sure. If there's anyone I would trust in terms of putting out an absolute banger of a documentary and telling a fantastic story while doing it, it would be Kyle Schultz himself. So. I'm not, I think it's, you know, could be the best one yet. We'll see. Yeah, I could easily see. I think that's one of Kyle's, like, biggest passions besides, like, if I'm trying to, like, branch him off into different categories, I don't want to speak for the kid, but um, we'll have mm-hmm. to hear from him later. I guess after the documentary airs, I'm sure we'll have Kyle on to, to share his his um, creative process and that kind of stuff. But I think that's one of his, like, bigger uh, passions is just, like, being able to produce a, a, film, yeah. a film like that. So it's, it's super cool to come together. And he has all these, he's just building his portfolio up for when, 30 years from now, you can go work for ESPN or whatever. Um, <laughs> but it's pretty cool. So, like I said, if you haven't seen the MLW 30 for 30 films yet, I highly encourage it and recommend it. And um, 
they're they're just awesome. Not, not much else to say about it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jack, I wrote down some questions for you. You and I haven't had any kind of debating whatsoever on this podcast, I feel like, lately. We've been very focused. A lot of cool interviews, a lot of whipple ball talk. We've had some storytelling, but not a whole lot of, not a whole lot of dialogue between just you and I about topics in, in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not I enough, totally agree. Not enough bro let's, talk. Let's see him. Not so, enough bro talk. I got, how many do I write down here? One, two, three, four. Let's get down three, to business. Four. I wrote down five things that I thought you and I could wow. have an interesting short discussion about each one. Um, All right. Because we know that the Pipe It Up podcast listeners, they just love me and you. I mean, we're, they, we're, <laughs> we're their idols. I mean, they don't look up to anybody else more than us. So, humbly speaking. <laughs> Naturally. Naturally. Um, but this one was actually your idea. We'll start it off with this. And it is, hey. what is the best sound in sports and why? What do you think is the best sound in sports, Jack? Um, and if you don't know what I mean by that, listeners, you'll hear Jack's answer and you'll get it. Yeah, so definitely not biased at all. Um, it has to be just a slider, a wiffle ball slider coming in and pinging the strike zone. You think so? I mean, it's that's the just a the great metal? sound in sound. No, it might not be. I, we, <laughs> we have to say we have to say that, right? We're, we're okay. a football podcast. Okay, okay, we have okay. to say that. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's it's so tough. I think just being a just being a football guy, I just love hearing the crack of the pads. You know, the crack of the helmets firing off the line when the lineman. Okay. That's 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 got to be one of my favorites. Um, but there's there's so many good ones that you don't even that you don't even realize how how much it. Well, it, Jack, uh, I, I asked for your you favorite, like it, you know? so it sounds like it's the crack of the pads. That'll be my. I'll, I'll go with the cracker. I will say, in terms of wiffle ball, what I'm looking forward to is we've had like I want to say three. We haven't had a World Series end with a strikeout off the metal, and I'm looking forward to that like strike three, <laughs> ding off the metal to end the season. That'll be sick. But yes, I think my favorite sound in sports, Jack. This might be outside of the rules that you thought you had in mind for this question, but there's just something about it gives me goosebumps. I swear to you, like from a good clip, the roar of a crowd. Just a yeah. hype crowd is an unbelievable thing to listen to and hear and experience. Absolutely. Like I'll go on Invigorating. YouTube. I'll go on YouTube and there's like, you know, the greatest moments in sports history, part one, part two, part three, part four. There's a bunch of videos like that in different series. And yeah, just like when it's like seeing an athlete make a crazy play and then just hearing just the roar of the crowd and everyone's going just absolutely crazy. It's just it's just the coolest thing. Something about it. Some some of the best one of those videos, just because the camera and the mics are so close, are like videos of Tiger Woods where the entire the yeah. entire gallery is just following him the whole tournament, and they're mm-hmm. like four feet away from him while he hits this ridiculous shot. Yeah, and as soon as he hits it, it's way to go, Tiger! <laughs> those are those are great ones. Those are all those are great ones. Oh no, yeah, there's something about the roar of a crowd. It's just it's uh, it gives me goosebumps. I swear to you, it never gets old. Okay. Switching gears from one favorite topic to another. We're going from sports into food mode. Um, mm, talk about I'm already my, hungry. Talk about the uh, sports moments on YouTube. Another thing I like to watch on YouTube from time to time, or at least I see it pop up a lot too, but I watched one today, reminded me of this question, um, is over the last few years, I've seen a trend of creators who will like 
either themselves or like invite other content creators with them and they'll try to eat the entire menu of like a fast food type restaurant. And I wanted to ask you, Jack, if you had to do that, what what menu would you want to try to devour through? So this is like this is like one sitting. This is like yeah, one sitting you if it's me and you and we have everything on the menu from a fast food place in front of us, what would you want it to be? This is so tough. Honestly, like I don't know. I feel like it's a. I feel like it's a cop out, but like I, I want to say Chick Fil A just because I love it so much. Yeah, Chick-fil-A but the chicken, good. the chicken could get old. You know what I mean? That's like just I'm eating that about. much chicken. But um, but 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 Chick Fil A has a lot of different sauces, so you could switch up your sauces. That might true. keep your taste buds a little off balance. But I was thinking the true. same thing. Like I've been on, um, I've been like craving. I never used to like. I first of all, I never really order fast food in general. And when I do, I usually go for the chicken option and not the beef mm-hmm. options. Like at McDonald's, I usually go chicken sandwich instead of a burger. But I've been like craving a burger lately for some reason. But I'm concerned, Damn. yeah, if I go like McDonald's or Wendy's, I feel like I would just be like disgusted a couple sandwiches. Yeah. Then. Like I would just I don't not think, want it anymore. But I don't think I could do I it. And just, then not you get a you get a couple court you get a couple burgers in and then they hit you with the fillet of fish. Oh man. Like, you have to like come eat on, that. There's first, no way. <laughs> there's no way you're taking that down. There's no way. I feel like I would <laughs> against <laughs> my better judgment, I think I would do Taco Bell. I'm not kidding. Yeah, see, I was thinking Taco Bell, Taco but then Bell, I was like just the no, aftermath. It doesn't get old, dude. I love Taco Bell. It's yeah, so it, good. And the, the the thing about Taco Bell is like I mean, I guess this is kind of no. I I think it's it's different than like McDonald's in the sense where like everything on their menu is is basically the same thing. It's just like presented a little bit differently. Taco Bell, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Do you want like a, a big Taco Bell or like medium Taco Bell or just small Taco I've Bell? I've had this conversation with my sisters before because we all like Taco Bell. We say that yeah, basically everything at Taco Bell tastes the exact same. It's just presented in a slightly different way Literally, than the other thing. Yeah. But mm-hmm. oh my gosh, Jack! Have you ever had the Cinnabon delights from Taco Bell? Yeah, they're tasty. Oh my tasty. god, those things are just incredible! I can never they're get good. enough of those. I only order two. I get the two pack, just to. If I, if I ordered a yeah. twelve pack, I eat all twelve. They're that good. But <laughs> I think joke, we're on the same page there. It would be either Taco Bell or Chick Fil A, probably. Yeah, Chick Fil A. I did have Raisin Canes for the first time in the fall. Raisin Canes is good. Never been. Oh, it's good. I gotta go. Really yeah, I gotta good. go. But I think Taco Bell would have to be mine. Okay. Back, shifting back from food mode into sport mode. If you could only play one sport for the rest of your life, what would it be? Golf. Ah, you stole mine. Easily golf. (laughs) Yeah, it is easy. Because that's like, because, I mean, think about it. That's why so many people, like, still play it, you know, when they're, when they get into older age, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, as much as it's, you know, in theory, yeah, it'd be awesome to be able to chuck on the pads when you're 75 <laughs> years old and go crack some skulls. But, like, come on, that's not realistic. But if you're, like, oh you know, a pretty gosh. good golfer and you're and you're 70 years old and you're still kicking it out there, like, that's that's awesome. You know, I don't know. I'd pick golf. That's, that's, I you thought know, that was an easy one. You know, so I said, yeah, golf was my answer. But you know what I just thought about, which I think could be considered a sport. I put it as a hobby category, but fishing. Fishing 
is a lifelong thing. Hundred percent. Oh, fishing. No, fishing's a sport. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's a that qualifies as a sport. I think that would be a, that would be a close. Oh, that's tough. I didn't even think about that. I might take that over golf. Oh, I don't know. But I think golf. I, I I put fishing more in the in the hobbies category than I don't know because maybe because yeah. it's more casual. I really don't know, but. Those two I'll definitely be doing my entire life. I don't even know why I like Absolutely. fishing so much, but I just something about fishing I just love. I think it's just going outside and being outside. I love it's fishing. very peaceful. Um, but yeah, I, I love fishing. I got into fishing big um, right after high school is when I started to get into it. Now I love it. Can't get enough. Of I it. mean, you can fishing is great because it's like yeah, if you want to go out there and really you know put put in all your effort and try to try to catch something, try to find something, and then you don't, you're going to be upset, but that's not the attitude I think you got to have when you're fishing, you know, you got to have a little bit of a plan, but at the end of the day, <laughs> you got to just kind of soak in what's going on. Like yeah. it's a, it's a win-win either way. Mm-hmm. If you, if you walk out of there after your fishing experience and you didn't catch anything, think about how much vitamin D you just got from yeah. the sun. Like you were just soaking it up outside, enjoying nature. And then who knows, you might just have a three pound bass come up and bite your worm. And then your day is made. That's what that's what I like about fishing. just whatever you do is don't drop your phone in the lake. That's step one. Don't don't nope. ever do that. Um, but yeah, I think it's just it's the constant hope when you're fishing that at any given moment in time a lunker might latch on to your to your hook and make your day. Um, do you fish alone, Jack? Ever or no? I do. I like I. Uh, it's fun fishing with people, but I would say the majority of the fishing I do is actually alone. Okay, interesting. I've just because sometimes I don't know. It's kind of hard. We, you know what, Tom? We gotta go fishing. We're going on a fishing trip. Never gone fishing. Sometime. It's hard. We we're busy guys. We're both pretty busy guys. No, we are easy. busy guys. We'll have to get something. On That's kind of the thing. Everyone's so busy now. It's like I just you know I, I go when I have a minute. I I usually the most recent summers it's pretty much me just chucking a kayak in the back of the truck and going to the nearest lake. And, yeah, you know, yeah. How, around, but. I don't want to get on a fishing kick too much, but how's the how's the kayak experience fishing? I've never fished out of a kayak before. Canoe plenty of times, but never kayak. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather probably do it out of a canoe, um, just because just for the sake of like you know your back hurting after a while in a mm-hmm. kayak. But um, it is pretty. I would say it's pr- it's a lot more intense trying to land a fish in a yeah. kayak, especially if, especially if it's like a decently sized one and you're fishing in some cover. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot more intense. But I feel like if I lost a fish, if I, if I lost a fish while alone, I'd be so mad. Like if you, if I lose a fish with a buddy, it's like you joke about it, whatever you keep talking, you brush it off, but that's all you're thinking about. If you're out there alone and you, <laughs> you don't land a fish, I've I'd, done be, it. I'd be so mad. Oh, it's, it's pretty frustrating. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Okay. Next question. If you could have any talent in the world that you don't currently have, what would it be? That's a great question. I think I really like, uh, I really enjoy music and I can play guitar, but I think like, if this is a theoretical question, any talent, um, you know, I don't really know like a lot of actual music theory. Mm -hmm. I just kind of know some songs playing the guitar, but being able to like pick up any instrument and have somewhat of an idea of how to play it and like play along to something that someone's playing or like mm-hmm. play a song for somebody, you know what I mean? Like piano or uh, guitar or any instrument, even like a violin. Like, I think that'd be really cool. Do you think, um, yeah, some, so there's so many instruments out there. I, I put the two main ones pretty much as guitar and piano. And I have, a, I know piano very well. I don't know guitar very well, but do you think, 
like, are you willing to make that sacrifice and put in the time to ever get to that point? Or are you, like, content in the in the greater scheme of life with your skills as is slowly progressing? Um, You mean in terms of, like, actually... Like, becoming um, very knowledgeable on music theory and, like, having a greater sense of what's going on at all times. Yeah, I'd really like to. You know, if I... Just currently, right now, I don't have the time. If I yeah. if I did, in theory, have the time, I would absolutely love to uh, to you know practice and learn that. But the current state of my guitar playing abilities, I'm pretty satisfied with you know practicing the songs I know, being able to play and sing around a campfire, learning a you know couple new songs here and there, mm-hmm. just just slowly developing. I mean, that's that's really what I have time for. So it's a real yeah, it's a serious commitment to learn music. Um, especially the theory part of it, if you want to get into that. Um, I know a decent amount from just from taking piano lessons. So, like, I know... But it's really hard, like, translate from instrument to instrument. Like, even my knowledge of piano, like, it doesn't translate that well to guitar just because guitar is so vastly different. Like, I know yeah. what I need to play in terms of, like, okay, if I'm playing this chord and I want to, like, resolve this melody of chords, if you want to... Like, a chord progression... But I have to right. like then like look at the piano, figure it out, and then go back to the guitar. Like it's just really hard to translate back and forth. If that makes sense. So right, yeah, it's, it's no, I can see that. It's crazy. It's crazy. For me, one thing I've always just been awful at that I always thought was cool and kids could do it really well is drawing. Just like yeah. not saying like anything crazy, but just like sketching with a pencil. Like kids that can do like a great drawing. I was like other of people or of like mm-hmm. scenes, like just anything. I was always so bad at drawing. And just so amazed by kids who could just like doodle in their notebook and draw something crazy good. I feel like yeah, that would be, I, be good at. I yeah. I don't know how I, valuable I that is in life, one. but it's, it's uh, cool. I think you'd be surprised. I think you can do a lot with drawing skills. I definitely like to draw it, but I'm you know I'm terrible at it. Like I'll doodle and stuff, but I'm just I'm I'm not talented. One of my roommates is like insanely talented at drawing, and he's like doodling in class and drawing pictures of my face and like showing me and it's just like hilarious how good he is and how quickly he can do it yeah but yeah that, i think that'd be a really cool really cool uh talent to be able to do especially when even I was just like, to like impress people you know yeah i know Pe- drawings people that can just like i can look at something and copy it down fairly well like a logo or whatever it is but like just like a drawing from memory just like anything crazy is mind-blowing to me i don't get how people can do that so perfectly yeah I don't know if that's yeah. natural born talent or people actually practice that or what, but okay. I think it's a little bit of combination of practice and probably just the way your brain is wired. You know, you're able to see see shapes and patterns and stuff a little bit better, have a little bit more creative mindset, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't be me, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm embarrassed with some of the drawings I've had over the years for sure. Yeah. <laughs> such a funny story actually there's this picture we i swear we kept it because of how bad it was but for probably first or second grade art class for mother's day we all had to like draw a self-portrait oh, God. we had to draw a portrait of our moms and then it got hung up in a local jewelry store in the city of brighton okay <laughs> So they were on display for everybody. So I like took, I'm like two, I'm like probably nine years old, 10 years old at this point. No, not nine nine or 10, probably first, second grade, probably like six or seven. So young. And I'm like, mom, we got to go to the whatever jewelry store and see your picture that I drew for you, blah, blah, blah. And 
So I take her there, and I'm like, you know which one is you, blah, blah, blah. And, like, she was super nice about it. I have, like, a vivid, vivid memory of this. And <laughs> it came up in conversation probably, like, two or three years ago where I think we were just, like, going through junk, like, at our house. And we found, like, yeah, yeah. my old art projects. And she was like, I went to the store to get this picture, and I was smiling next to it with the lady looking at me. And she was like, I was mortified because of how bad <laughs> the drawing was. And you were all excited, so I wanted to seem excited. And we were just cracking up because, yeah, it was just a brutal drawing. I put her glasses on her, and I gave her, like, the most dark red lipstick of all. T- it was just horrendous looking. It was so bad. We had I had but, so many of those, like, you know, magnet-type art projects that I did at school where it's, like, I'm trying to draw a dog, and it looks like yeah. a like flying squirrel. I have no, like, it's just terrible. So I, I, I get that for sure. Oh, but it was so funny. It's so embarrassing. That's hilarious. I, I feel like if I was a parent, I don't know if I have the willpower. I think like I just start laughing. Like I, I yeah. have to be so mature, but shout out to the moms. Yeah. What, yeah. Shout out to the moms That's everywhere. That, yeah. Shout out to the moms. I'm sure I've always. done more terrible artwork than just that, but I, I had some cool like projects that I had to do, but artwork wise, no, not good. Not good at all. Um, Jack, I have one more thing on the list. What's one thing that you wish you could accomplish, but for some reason you cannot? Anything in your life fall in that category? I'm going to go to you. You go to me first. Let's hear your first. So I I had one thing that came to mind right away. Um, In terms of an accomplishment that I wish I could do that I no longer can, I guess two things, um, and I think they're both sports related. Um, Number one, would be um, in my, I played baseball travel for, I played eight, I played nine U twice. Cause I played up once. And I played all the way to 18 U. I played for like 10 years of travel seasons plus high school baseball. Mm-hmm. I did not have that many opportunities. I say definitely less than 10, but I never had a walk-off hit in a competitive baseball game before. So that's one thing that I will never get to do that I wish I could have. Like I said, I didn't really have that many opportunities. I, I think I only had one opportunity in high school. And I remember I hit the ball hard. It was ground out to third base. Other than mm-hmm. that, like, yeah, in travel, I had maybe one a year or less. Like, I can count them on, on my hands. I can think about it. So not many opportunities, but I never capitalized in, in the clutch. But I, I did have some big hits, like, in the top half of the, of the last inning, like, to give my team the lead. Like, mm-hmm. but never a walk-off. Um, and then one other thing, too, would be, I really wanted to win state championship in baseball in high school. We didn't even get close, but we had the talent to do it. We just choked. So there'll be two things oh. right there that I would like to accomplish that we cannot anymore. Hmm. Okay. So I see where you, you went with that. That's uh, so both sports. For I don't me. know. That's so tough. Um, I don't know. It feels like all I've done really, uh, you know, all my accomplishments were, were through school and through athletics. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to uh, win a state championship in lacrosse, but it was never really in the cards because up until a few years ago, it had been the same high school in Michigan who had won every single year because mm-hmm. they were just a, a, a powerhouse. Yeah. So that would have been nice. Um, I think I really would have, I really would have liked to play hockey, honestly. Like I, I don't oh, really want my kid one. to play hockey, but uh, I don't know. I felt I can't skate now, like to save my life. But mm-hmm. um, I felt like I would have been a pretty. I felt like I would have had fun playing hockey and been a pretty good hockey player if I started at a young age. Yeah, t- I should have definitely played football. 
as a kid, like tackle yeah. football. Although I was, it's hard to say. I was so small. I think I was just so so small. Twig. I probably would have got hurt, yeah. but I should have just did it once. I feel like I was definitely fast enough and shifty enough where I would have been good. Because the flag football yeah. I played, the rec sports, it was just it was too easy. You know what I mean? It was. I mean, it was super fun, but like there was nobody yeah. as good as me. Um. So like looking back, like yeah, that was awesome. But I I have no real knowledge of if I was actually any good or not. If it was just because I was playing against kids who weren't playing tackle who were just garbage at football. You know what I mean? Right. So. Maybe here, here's another one actually is something, I guess not as much as of a, an accomplishment, but kind of on the same note, I guess maybe something that I regret not doing um, that I can't really do anymore. Yeah. That's be, what it's turned into a little bit. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. But like being, being on our, our uh, high school bass fishing team at Brighton, we had a really mm-hmm. good bass fishing team, um, which I thought was like so cool. Like I didn't even know that was like a thing when I was a freshman. Um, and learned about it later, but that would have been so fun to like competitively fish, I think. Yeah, that's cool. That is very cool. It's funny, like, yeah, things like that you look back on, you're like, why didn't I do that type of thing? But Jack, you were yeah. playing multiple sports, so I could see yeah. why I could yeah, see why yeah. you didn't do it. But yeah, that falls into the more of the regret category, even with me in football. But the accomplishment wise, yeah, the state championship and the walk off hit, I think, are things that I can no longer accomplish in life that I wish wish I could. The walk off the walk off hit is that's gotta just. You be know what else is a crushing blow deal. to my ego, Jack? An absolute choke job, in my opinion, is. <laughs> we're taking too much time on this segment, but it's funny. Um, I was in like the district spelling bee finals in fifth grade, and I blew it and got third place. I was so mad. <laughs> I was so mad. I so like. Do you the, remember the word? Yes, you had to like win it in your class to get and get to the district finals. You know what I mean? So I got first place in my class. Oh, went to yeah, the finals, yeah. and then yeah, we got. It was like like it was like fifty plus kids in the finals, and yeah, I blew it. I um got out. Funny enough, because my degree is mechanical engineering, I got out on the word mechanical, which I knew how to spell. I knew how to spell oh every single gosh. word in the list. I just choked. I um I remember I said, so mechanical is spelled M E C H A N I C A L. And I remember I said M-E-C-H. And for some reason, I just froze, choked. And I started, like, right on my hand like the kids on TV do, trying to figure it out. And I spelled mm-hmm. it correctly on my hand. And then I just said N-I-C-A-L. I didn't say the oh. A. So I blew it. And I literally knew how to spell every single word on that. Sh- on, like, they gave you the packet of words. It was, like, five pages. And I was such a yeah. nerd back then. that I, I knew every word. And I totally blew it and got third place. I still got an engraved a personally engraved dictionary that I have to this day that has like my third place award. It has my name carved into it and stuff, but wow, I should have got first place. It was bogus. I totally choked, <laughs> but yeah. Hey guys, I could spell back in the day. Let me tell you something, but now I don't even know our, our vocab words and in, in this podcast. Yeah. I'm probably going to run out of time for this week. We haven't even got to the queue of the day. Let's jump to the queue of the day right now. Q. 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 of the day. Thank you guys for all the submissions lately on Q of the Day. Really appreciate it. If you have not submitted a question for the podcast yet for me and Jack to answer, uh, please do so and send us a DM at pipeitupmlw on Instagram. So this will be a quick one. Not a lot of time left today. So it comes from Jake Sullivan, and he goes, How did you guys discover scuffing wiffle balls? How long have you been doing it for, and why did you guys decide to do it? So I think I can kind of handle this one. And this is actually yeah, a good, you tell good, me. good bit for Jack. <laughs> Um, so as you guys probably saw in the most recent upload, we had the pitching tutorial, the updated one. Um, yeah, we do scuff our wiffle balls for our league on cement on the pavement before games, kind of evenly across the ball. 
So the first question is, how did you discover scuffing? When we first kind of discovered that there were wiffle ball leagues out there and that people were playing the sport that we were already doing, um, some people were very, very competitive at it. And um, there's a guy by the name of Sean Steffi. I think his YouTube at the time was Wiffleboy28. And he had like his whole individual pitching tutorial of just himself and has millions of views still to this day, obviously. And um, he actually uses like a knife to scuff his balls. He cuts knife patterns into it. So that's one method you can do it. So we, upon seeing that, yeah, he used a knife to scuff the ball. We did some more research and then kind of, yeah, landed on this like cement scuffed type thing where it's not quite as drastic as knifing balls but it provides consistency for a pitcher, also a little bit more movement. Um, we've been doing that for years now, years. I mean, we've been doing that probably since 2012, 2011. Whenever we started using, you know, once we got into wiffle ball a little bit more, we were, we were scuffing the ball because an unscuffed ball just doesn't move the same. So you have to scuff it up. So, yeah, decade. We're going on a decade of scuffing balls. And um, why did we decide to do it? I kind of already explained that, just because it provides... First and foremost, it provides consistency. So when you use a ball out of a box, a fresh pearl of a wiffle ball, I would call it. It's a nice white pearl. Um, sometimes if you're really, really consistent with your arm slot and your motion and your like revs in the ball, it'll move very similar. But just depending on how the ball was produced and yeah, how you're releasing it on that specific day, you'll notice very different movements. And from ball to ball, it's very different. So if you Say you have three balls next to you. They're all brand new balls out of the box. Each ball you throw is going to move a little bit differently, even if they're quote-unquote brand new. Like just say you throw it three or four times and it you know hits the strike zone or hits the ground. Yeah, all of a sudden each ball is now way different. However, if you scuff them beforehand, it provides consistency. So each ball is scuffed the same way, and therefore a little ding off the strike zone or off the, off the dirt on the ground isn't going to affect the overall movement of the ball. Does that make sense? I think you kind of knew that generally, Jack, but I know you weren't there for, yeah. the, for the origin of it. No, that was definitely – that was insightful. Um, I, I've, they've been scuffed ever since I've been in the league, so oh, yeah. I, never, I, I haven't known anything different, really. Oh, yeah. Um, and Kyle is our designated scuffer. Mr. Commissioner scuffs yeah. the balls. But, yeah, for you guys who are interested in wiffle ball – and are just looking to learn more about it. Yeah, the, the lingo there is kind of the new balls are called clean or unscuffed, or what they refer to, clean or unscuffed. Then, yeah, you have balls that are knifed, which is what I refer to people that actually use a knife to cut certain patterns into a ball to get it to move the way they want. If you want more information on that, you can do a Google or YouTube search and you'll see it. Or what we use is kind of just a cement scuff or a lightly scuffed ball. So that's, uh, so that's kind of the three different variations there. I actually have another follow-up question just because I'm curious because you mm -hmm. talked about the consistency and how the scuffing helps with consistency. Um, but sometimes when it's a little bit dry and we haven't had rain, it can get pretty um, like dirty yeah. at the meadows, especially mm -hmm. in the batter box. So when the ball gets like dirt on it and the dirt kind of gets over in the scuffs, does that mess with the consistency at all? A little bit. Yeah, it does for sure. So um, yeah, as Jack mentioned, if it's, if we're playing at the meadows where we do and it gets dry, you know, the batter's boxes we have there are dirt. So, yes, you know, dirt can kind of fill in those little teeny tiny microscopic scuffs that are cut into the ball from the sidewalk and, uh, you know, cause the ball to move less than if it were a brand new ball that had more, you know, jagged edges, even though they're not very jagged at all. But, yeah, it'll smooth the ball out a bit. So the good thing for us at the meadows is we use one game ball. So if a ball does get filled with a little bit of dirt, it's still consistent for both teams for the entirety of the game. So yeah. 
it's something to play with if you run a league or if you play with your friends. Uh, try it out a couple different ways. Um, try throwing a clean ball or unscuff. Try using your sidewalk to scuff it. Um, you could also try the knifing technique, but I would just recommend uh, doing that with caution and uh, be careful, obviously. So that's that. Safety first, as always, folks. Um, Jack, we're not going to have enough time for your vocab word of the week. I wanted to say I was disappointed. I was so proud of our word of the week, and I thought it was a cool idea and it was fun. And then uh, over the weekend, I was watching a Dude Perfect video, their overtime series they do, which is kind of like a little show, and they do vocab words. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Are you serious? Yes, they also do. I, the episode that I saw, they had a word in there. I was like, gosh. Oh, Jack, my gosh. I was like, we're not that original after all. <laughs> Dang it, dude. I know, I know. It's crazy. A lot of I great, guess real recognize hey, real. Yeah, right? hey, great minds think alike is all I can say yeah. about that. All I can say about yeah. that. But yeah, I, it came up. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. They do focus. Dang. <laughs> it's the most random thing, I feel like. But anyway, guys, um, we will, uh, we'll pick it up again next week. I'm going to look into getting another interview uh, let me know, you guys that are avid listeners, there's hundreds of you, um, let me know if you enjoyed that interview last week with the homestand, because I can look into getting our other sponsors on this podcast to uh, share their stories of their small business or how they found MLW and that kind of stuff, because I really, really enjoyed interviewing Pete. I think Jack did as well. Likewise, and, um, yeah, for sure. That was, was just, awesome. It was a great conversation. It was just really insightful. I learned a lot, and um, I even you know got to form my relationship better with Pete, so... I loved it. I would like you guys to hear from more of our sponsors, too. So please DM me if you liked it, didn't like it, or what interviews you'd want to hear. But for now, that's a wrap. Signing off, Jack and Tommy. We'll see you guys next week.